another episode of the Behind the You podcast. I'm, I'm pretty fired up for this one. I'm going to tap into my intellectual nerd side here, although I was not. I was a history major. Had nothing to do with what this guy does, the director of sports science for. Now, was it director of sports science for the athletic department or for football, Eric Renahan? Started off as football. Uh, I got hired last year with Coach Cristobal coming on board. And uh, just about two weeks ago, I was moved into a position where I'm overseeing all uh, athletic programs. Well, congratulations. Thank breaking you. news, a breaking news alert, promotion. Yeah. So tell- <laughs> I was aware of your hiring. We, had, we really hadn't met till this season. And then probably maybe two weeks ago, I'm out of practice and I'm talking to Corey Flagg. And I noticed some body composition change. And he said he's feeling great. And then he goes, man, I got to thank that guy over here. And he just kind of points over there. And there you are. The wizard in the distance. And I, I, I talked to Cam Gorby. I said, we should get Eric on the podcast. I think there's an interesting perspective and story to tell here. And, uh, and that's how we got here. And, and the way Corey said it was, he can tell when guys will get hurt. That's how smart he is. Now, I don't know if you want to take credit for that, but he, he was uh, high praise for you, Eric. Well, Corey's a good dude, so I appreciate the, the kind words. Absolutely. So let's let's just start here. Uh, and good things about podcasts, you take as long as you want. How would you okay. just simply define for the average fan who followed football, followed UM, followed athletics, they probably understand coaches on the field, understand strength and conditioning. How would you define your job or how would you probably more after how would you explain your job and your role? Uh, let's just we'll talk football, you know, how you integrate into the football staff. Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, like a lot of times when we talk about sports science, uh, people are like, all right, so, you know, it's technology, you push the buttons, you, you have the computer out there and you're, you're doing all the nerdy stuff, um, which is not untrue, right? We do a lot of that. Uh, I think, you know, but what we really do most of the time when we're really in the, the middle of camp, like we are now or in the off season or during the actual season is to try to answer questions. And we're trying to answer questions that Coach Cristobal is asking. We're trying to answer questions that Coach Feld is asking. And we're trying to answer questions that everyone in the organization may not have already thought of and hasn't asked. And we're trying to do this not only to keep our athletes healthy, but we're trying to answer questions on how we can find ways to continue to improve their performance as the season goes on. And I think that's probably the best way to sum up what we do is figure out the answers to questions that were asked. And we do it by collecting data, analyzing data, evaluating data, and really looking at data from different sources, whether that's a practice, uh, whether that's a, a weightlifting session, whether that's medical treatment, and really aggregating that and, and looking for correlations so we can really find the most precise answer we can for, for the questions we're asked. To piggyback on that, and there, there's a multitude of things I could take off of just that answer. Uh, which hopefully we're going to get into and explain it because I do find it somewhat fascinating. And I'm sort of, this is a little bit of an open book for me because mm-hmm. I'm sort of learning on the fly as we do this, right? Like it's, it's going to be sort of open-ended on my end as well. Although I did do my fair share of preparation. Uh, but how'd you get to Miami? Cause I, prior you were in hockey and you were in hockey for a fairly long time. So how'd you even get here? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Another good question. I, so yeah, I worked in the national hockey league for 10 seasons and at the end of my time in St. Louis, my wife and I, who were both from California, wanted to, you know, take some time for me to be a dad, you know, working in the NHL, you're traveling full time, and it's a pretty dense travel schedule. And I didn't get to see my kids as often as I'd liked. And we had some success in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it gave me the, the opportunity to leave on a high note, so to speak, 
And um, we went back to California. I was working for an agency called Rep One. So most of their guys are NFL guys, training them for the combine. And I was out there training these guys for the NFL combine. And I got a call from a friend of mine who was the director of sports science at the University of Utah. And he called me one day and said, hey, look, I have a friend of mine just moved down to Miami. He's looking for a director of sports science. And I gave him your name. About five minutes later, I had a, a call from an Alabama phone number. And it was <laughs> Coach Aaron Feld on the phone and I had a good chat with him. I was able to, to come down to Miami a week later, uh, actually the first day of team conditioning. And it, it was a really, really good meeting that I had with him, with the strength and conditioning staff. And I, I really felt like with what they were doing, with what Coach Cristobal has for, for a vision for this program, it was the best opportunity for me to get back into the team setting and really kind of take the things that I've done at the NHL level and, and working with pro guys in the offseason and try to bring that perspective to college football. And uh, one of the things that was really exciting for me was the fact that in my, my history uh, as a practitioner was always as a strength and conditioning coach who did sports science. And now because of the education that I was able to pursue and you know the things that I've been doing, I've been able to become a full-time sports scientist, which has been really, really cool. And it's allowed me to dive into things that I just didn't have the time to do before. So Coach Feld calls and, and what was he seeking, right? And, or how did he want to enhance the program? And maybe also on top of that, Coach Cristobal as well. Like what, were, what, what was their goal to bring in you or someone like you to enhance the program? Yeah, yeah. I think they had some really good people they were working with at the University of Oregon. And they wanted to continue, you know, create some continuity on that end of things. I think what I, you know, I don't know if, if Coach Feld would agree with this, but I think what he originally brought me in to do was to run the catapult system, which is the GPS monitoring system that we run. He gave me a, a report that they made at Oregon and said, can you replicate this? And I think I just maybe did it the next day and sent it to him and said, here's one for the University of Miami. So I think it was initially kind of what we were looking for was to create that continuity that they had at Oregon. And then I think he quickly learned that what we could be doing and what we had the opportunity to do with the support of the university. And again, with Coach Cristobal's vision to kind of be cutting edge and tip of the spear as it relates to the performance of the athletes. I was given an opportunity, both from a resource standpoint and from a freedom to operate standpoint, to really find the things we needed to do to integrate different solutions into our program hardware from a sports science perspective, um, software from a sports science perspective, and most importantly, to be able to, to take that information and provide the feedback to the staff and, and to the coaches. So, uh, you know, it, it was a, a perfect storm of opportunity for us here. So it's kind of, I was like, you're like, ah, it's back, back in my hands. It's elementary. I can do that. <laughs> let's come on. Let's up the ante here. Let's go. Let's get yeah. into like upper level class stuff. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So real quick, before we get into all the, the interesting sort of information that you have your fingers on, which is you just reference sort of how you in the NHL, I guess you were both right. Strength and conditioning and sports science. So I guess a sort of your background on the strength and conditioning side, and then B when were you introduced or how was sports science sort of introduced to you? And then what piqued your interest in that? Yeah. I mean, I think I was probably a failed college athlete myself. You know, I, I, I was a soccer player. I played baseball growing up and I went to college to play soccer and I didn't, probably uh, invest as much time as I had probably should have uh, getting better at soccer. I, I really Were you doing typical college things, Eric? I mean, I'm a coach now, right? So, I, <laughs> I, you know, that's how it goes. Um, so, 
Yeah, I think it was uh, probably where I spent most of my time was not on the things I should have been. But um, I really enjoyed kinesiology. I went to San Jose State where we had, at the time, one of the top programs in the country for for strength and conditioning uh, emphasis based in kinesiology. I had a good relationship with the strength coaches there. And I I really, you know, wanted to be what those guys were uh, when I was done with school. And so I had an opportunity to work in sport uh, right away as a former athlete. So a lot of doors that opened for me just purely because of the relationships that I had, uh, you know, being an athlete were there. And so got into strength and conditioning, um, you know, really enjoyed it. I had an opportunity to go and work in the private sector at a, a facility in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area that was highly driven by uh, technology. And that opportunity was really what sparked my interest in the sports sciences, you know, finding ways to help the athletes as well as I could have um, using data. And I worked there for a couple of years, really, really granular education on biomechanics and force plates and all these different things that we were using to try to really make our athletes improve. Quickly after that, got a call from Mike Potenza, who is a friend of mine. He was the head strength coach of the San Jose Sharks. I knew him from being a local guy in the area and said, you know, I got an assistant position open. I've been trying to fill, uh, just got it approved. Are you interested? And um, I said, yeah, hundred percent. So I, I took a job with Mike and the Sharks was with them for three seasons and then got an opportunity to move up to Vancouver, Canada uh, to have a similar position, but a more elevated role with the Vancouver Canucks, um, worked for one of the best guys I've ever uh, met, uh, Roger Takahashi up there in Vancouver. I was with the Canucks. I was going into my fourth season in Vancouver and I got a call from the St. Louis Blues who had just, I think it was the, they had just lost in the conference finals to San Jose and their strength coach um, was moving on. Got a call from Marty Brodeur and Al McInnes and they Marty said, hey, Brodeur? Look. Yeah, that, that, the goalie got, got a call from him and Al McInnes and, said, Hey, this guy says, you're the only guy we should be talking to for this position. And it was a tough, tough decision. You know, my wife and I love Vancouver. Our son was born there. I heard it's um, awesome. I heard it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's unbelievable. I think it's probably rivals Miami. It's one of the two most expensive places in the world though right now. So, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, I didn't make any progress on that, but you know, we, I you talked to my wife and it was like, the opportunity. The team was at a position where they were really pushing to try to make a run for the Stanley cup. And the move to be a director of performance, it was really what I wanted. It was one of my goals. So I, I took the uh, opportunity to go to St. Louis. And in year three, we won the Stanley Cup and finished out my fourth year of my contract. And that's when we, we ended up going back to California. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. So, all right, Eric, I need you to start blowing my mind with the, with the stuff that I want to dive into, which all is right. I am relatively familiar with Catapult. But I'm sure there, there's well, you've already talked about there's a lot more to what you're doing and how you've been able to just kind of pour resources into uncovering, unearthing and et cetera. So what are like so give us some examples of the things you have at your discretion, how you've been able to invest in the performance of the athletes technically and then what you're seeking, like what is some of the data you are trying to collect 
as it relates to answering those questions and then obviously enhancing performance? Yeah, I mean, this is this would probably be where we do the two parter, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there's yeah. A, there's other stuff behind this, but I, you know, we'll just start here and then I'll just try to navigate us through. Yeah, I think from a performance perspective, we're, we're trying to monitor everything our athletes do, and you know, when we most a, a lot of times when people talk about sports science, they think weight room, they think catapult, they think you know only the things that you can actually see happening when the team's together. But one of the things that we're really focused on here at the University of Miami is uh, a holistic approach to profiling our athletes and creating what we call a digital twin. And that digital twin encompasses data from, you know, what we just talked about, uh, field-based work, weight room-based work, speed development um, programs. But most importantly, I would say what we're looking at are things that we can't see, which is blood biomarkers, things that we're doing with the nutrition program, um, the athletic training and rehabilitation program for our athletes, really trying to monitor the progress of them uh, as human beings, as opposed to football players specifically. And so <clears throat> that's kind of the, the foundation of, of our philosophy. Um, the things that we have at, uh, at our disposal currently, um, catapult, we have um, 88 catapult units. So 88 of our players are being monitored at all times during football activities from a GPS standpoint. Um, that provides Coach Crystal Ball and Coach Belt some really um, you know, precise feedback on what their program looks like because practices should look like what they prescripted them to be. So Tuesday should look like a Tuesday. And if there's any sort of outliers there, we can provide feedback on where that might be coming from. Force plates are something that are a staple for us in our weight room. And when I was going back and just reading up on you, listening to you, that word came up all the time. So what is that? Is that a, what, what is that exactly? Is that a thing? Like, what is that? So they're, they're like two big bathroom scales, essentially. So there's a left and right plate. We have six sets of those. Athletes will stand on those. Um, they'll jump on them. We'll record all of the data that they can produce mechanically. And what we want to see is any changes in their ability to produce force, decelerate force, um, how much force they're actually creating as an athlete relative to how much they weigh. And, you know, we have a lot of really high-level big guys right now. And one of the things that's really exciting about them is the amount of momentum that those guys create in you know, mass moves mass. And so when we can measure the progress on those guys and how fast they're moving their mass, it's a really exciting opportunity to kind of, you know, feel like it's going to feel so when can they you give me the like field. an example of what that, like what's something that you're literally watching or, or having them do, I should say, that gives you the data or the report back that gives you that kind of excitement. So we'll have athletes standing on the plates. We have a tablet set up as they jump, you see a force tracing, it almost looks like a heart tracing and you can track all the data that's occurring from the time they, that we say go to the time they left the force plates. And then when they land, you know, it's a very precise tool. It's kind of a, what you would mostly see in laboratory settings. And I think um, the company we use Hawken Dynamics has been outstanding, you know, with, with the support that they provided to us on uh, creating some bespoke metrics specifically for our football program and things that we really want to see with our athletes. Um, that's a staple in the weight room for us. You know, a couple other things that we use in the weight room, we, we do bar trackings. We'll track the velocity of the barbells as they're being used in programming. So, you know, if we say, hey, you're going to lift 300 pounds for five reps on the bench, that's great, but you have to do it at this velocity range, which is even better because then we know how much power they're creating at certain ranges and, and we can really be more precise with our prescriptions. Um, so, so really looking at velocity of the barbell. Um, so that's, that's a really interesting piece. You know, one of our most important 
tools that we're using currently um, is called Tiger Tech. It's a wearable, that wearable device was designed for the Department of Defense and it was validated at Mount Sinai in Miami Beach. And coincidentally, these guys are based in Miami and I got introduced to them last year and we went through all their validations and talked to them about how they can help us. And it's been a game changer. I know as you've been around practice, you know, some of our practice have been moved indoors. We're not doing as much outside when we don't need to. That's due to the data we were able to collect and where we were seeing changes in our body temperature affecting our performance and then resulting in injury. We were able to modify those answers to questions for Coach Cristobal on why are our guys looking burnt out? Why do they look tired? Why are these guys getting banged up? And a lot of it had to do with that internal load that we were collecting with the Tiger Tech. And one of the things that I think is really, really important, you know, I talked to Coach Cristobal about this a lot and Coach Feld, is that internal load, anything that we can see that's happening in, in the body is the catalyst for the things that we see on the field. So when we see a guy running slower or looking beat up, the problems are not because they're, you know, there's something wrong on the outside. It's because something from the inside has caused them to break down. And that tool has been critical for us to make, you know, more informed decisions on how we're going to create our practice schedule and, and when and where we're practicing. Is there something set of data you could share? Bruce Feldman does this freaks list thing. So yeah. is there like one thing you could share that would just showcases some mind blowing aspect of one of the guys on the team? Francis Malgoa, I think is one of those guys who, is very genetically gifted as it relates to his ability to perform. <laughs> I think he's producing almost 10,000 watts of power on his vertical jump, on the counter movement jump from the force plates, which you've been using force plates for 15 years, and I've never seen a guy produce 10,000 watts. And I've tested NFL guys, hockey guys, baseball guys, and that's that's pretty unbelievable. And I think, you know, for, the, for that freaks kind of conversation, even – more impressive with Francis is that how fast he moves that weight. You know, that's a big guy coming at you. And when he's coming at you fast, it's, it's hard to beat. So uh, I think he's, he's a really impressive dude, a uh, good person, highly athletic. But I mean, we have so many guys on the team right now that I can point out that are, you know, Corey flag, like you talked about with body transformation, the things that he's done to treat himself like a professional, it, it's showing on the field, his effort level, it's sustained, you know, he's a hardworking dude, but he's, his effort level, it's never dropping off. And a lot of that's just due to how well he's taking care of himself. So I, I can, you know, I can pick out 10 guys right now, but I think, you know, that Francis, he's a freak. If we had the Olympics of uh, the 20, the catapult 22 mile per hour, who's in the race? Well, you know, I think Tyler Harrell's he's buzzing right now. He's, he's running pretty, pretty good routes. He's fast. Jakari Brown, really, really fast guy. Broussard. He is a freak. Jakari's a freak. Jakari's a freak. And it's a little like, you know, you, you, you might not see it all the time, but like when he needs to, he can go. Brashard, Robbie Washington, um, you know, th these guys are, are really, really working hard to improve their speed. And Coach Irv, Ir Irvin Young does a great job kind of leading that speed development program for us. But yeah, I mean, those guys are in that 22 mile per hour. You know, uh, surprisingly, we, we didn't do as much running with them this year because we wanted to improve some of their power output. But Andy Borgalis is a sneaky fast guy.
When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! My 13-year-old son uh, plays football, and he's just kind of started in the speed and conditioning thing this summer. He, the guy he worked with, we were talking about speed, and he goes, you want him to get faster? He was talking about squatting. He goes, strengthen him, and he will run faster because he'll produce more. He'll be more forceful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Yeah. All right. But uh, so you, we're getting good information then. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have him on a catapult yet, but we'll, we'll maybe maybe one of these. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Pu- he's doing his push-ups, so we're, we're all right. Drinking yeah. his milk. So you collect all this information, right? And then I imagine there's you have to sort of organize it, communicate it, because you're an integrated piece, right? So now you're integrating, I assume, with strength, Coach Feld's you know, staff, Coach Cristobal and his staff, right? So how does that integration occur, and how does the sharing of the information you have impact their decisions? Yeah, I would say – so this is a kind of a two-part answer. I think, um, yeah, every time we – collect something, you know, we have to pull that data out of the system. You know, when I first got here, I was a solo operator. I, I did it kind of all by myself, but I was able to kind of quickly explain why we needed to build out a little bit of a staff to make this probably one of the best programs in the country for sports science. And fortunately, I found a guy named Fabian Moncayo. He's my uh, associate director of sports science, my right-hand man. He, uh, is unbelievable. One of the best that I've ever worked with on data evaluation and um, data cleaning. So what he does is once we've pulled all this data from all of our different hardwares, whether it's force plates, catapult, tiger tech, whatever it might be, he goes through the data, he cleans it, which means he's looking for errors in the data, the velocity spikes, things you know that happen because of our IPF and outdoor setup where we have to go in and out. And sometimes you get the spikes. He cleans all that data up, he evaluates it, and then he creates what we've created internally is an athlete management system. So he creates the visuals and he puts it all into this athlete management system. And what I then do is I take that information and I communicate that with coach Feld, our athletic trader, Adam Bennett, um, Katie Castle, our nutrition director, and then coach Cristobal. And we talk about the things that we're either asking questions on or the things that happened in practice or in training. And that process is very time consuming, but we need to be as precise as possible. And so Fabian is excellent at analyzing data and allowing me to have those crucial conversations and show the visuals on where trends are occurring and where things are actually doing what we expected them to do or where things aren't matching up with the expectations and giving the answers as to why those are happening. So Eric, in your role, right, in this science role, in this performance role, now, not only are you taking all that information, cleaning it, analyzing it, answering questions, maybe projecting ahead, et cetera, but also trying to literally help what happens on the, like literally what happens on the field. Like, is there a correlation for that and football and what Coach Cristobal and Coach Feld want and what might some of those be relative to how you take what you get and it transfers to what's happening on Saturday? I think in football, we can track things like, did this athlete run the right route? Yes. Okay. That, that was a success, but did they run the right route? 
and beat the opponent and score a touchdown or, or, you know, what, whatever their goal was for that uh, play. We can track the data that is occurring during that play. I think where we're doing things that are pretty novel that I would argue no one in the country is doing right now is looking at the cognitive stress of the athlete during play and pulling some of that data to really find where our athletes need uh, intervention from a mental performance standpoint. So if an athlete, and I'll say a quarterback, he's perfectly calm, but as soon as he's under center and he takes a snap and you know he gets uh, highly stressed, we can provide them with strategies potentially to reduce those stressors. And I think that is really where we're focused on, on changing the game for our program right now. I would imagine that applies to other, a, a lot beyond game day, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the cool things with that uh, technology that we're doing to pull that with the Tiger Tech, for example, is we have our athletes come in in the morning at breakfast check. They, they put the device on, they wear it, they wear it through meetings. And what we get to see with that data is we segment that out. And there's no physical activity in the meetings. There's no physiological demand. So when we see changes in those biometrics during meetings, those suggest either stressors from a, a anxiety standpoint, a cognitive standpoint, you know, it, really what we're trying to do is provide them with strategies to either handle those stressors from a cognitive standpoint, or it might be that they're not retaining information in the way the coach is providing it. So we can give better feedback on maybe this athlete here responds well to the visual watching themselves on film, but this one needs to be told what to do. And, and that can reduce those anxiety uh, impacts or the, the cognitive stressors. So we're really trying to segment out the whole person as opposed to just the physical aspects of the athletes. That leads me to Eric, that leads me to the classic. Like if you're talking to your kid and do you understand what I'm saying? And they tell you yes, but they're really not. So like you could probably see scientifically, like if someone's, Hey, so-and-so you understand what's on the board and he's nodding and said yes. And then you see some spike and they're like, mm, no, we're going to have, let's peel this back a little bit and try and, there's really no lying, I guess, right? There's no, there's nowhere to hide in a good, but for, a, I think probably part of the process is making them understand that you're, no one's out to get anybody, right? That this is all here for their benefit. Absolutely. And I think, you know, ultimately the most important thing here, and we've talked about kind of decision-making and communicating to coach Feld and coach Crisball and so on. I think one of the most important things that the listeners, you know, should take away from this is that all of this data we pull and the communication also is shared with the athletes themselves. And I think the athlete having buy-in isn't just going to come because they're told to buy into the program or they're going to just be uh, a guy that's going to do everything that they're asked to do because they're, you know, they're being told to, but they're going to be bought in because they understand the why behind the things that we're asking them to do and how it impacts them as an individual and it impacts their health and performance. So really the communication that we try to um, employ here is consistent. The, the language I use with Coach Cristobal, the language I use with Coach Feld, and the language I use with the players doesn't change because I don't want to have any sort of gray area or, or muddy waters when it comes to what I've told Coach Cristobal. And then I tell a player something and I use different language and then, oh, well, that's, that's not what Coach Cristobal told me. We have to be very transparent. And I think that's the most important thing for us is the players buy in because we're giving them feedback. I want to go back to something real quick only because it interests me, which was the part you said about when you're sort of testing certain data on game day, right? Acceleration, whatever other terms that are in there scientifically that I'm certainly not smart enough to know or, or have any knowledge of. But as you said, you're sort of combining the data you get with the results, and then you're also combing it with the film, right? Like the actual 
I assume the game tape, right? That maybe the same game tape the coaches see. And what I was curious about, Eric, is almost if a coach had a question, right? Like, hey, there's something on this play, like, you know, just a a simple post, right? Something seems off there. And maybe you're watching the play and you have the data from the play. And maybe there's something you can unearth from that that might help explain a question that someone might have. Is that something that happens? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for us, you know, to quantify what happens in a game. But I think more so what we need to be able to do is quantify how it happened and why it happened. And that could be because the athlete, you know, overstrided and that's why the hamstring pulled. Or it could have been that he changed directions more effectively and got into a better shin angle. So not only do we want to quantify the things that happened, but really, really try to get into the nitty gritty of, of how it happened, the strategy that they used to accomplish the success of that specific play and, and really provide the coach that feedback on this is, you know, this is what happened, but this is how we did it so that we can get other guys to start to do the same thing and really almost replicate, you know, what those guys are doing when they're successful. I would imagine, I don't know where it sits now, right? I'm sure over as you, wherever, from wherever you started, just in this general field, right, of just trying to get buy-in and, and people who are more forward-thinking. And I, I know it, don't worry about it. You know, I've done, I've, I've been in this sport, you know, that kind of stuff. But I was thinking uh, as we were getting ready for this, Eric, that for like the players or coaches in this day and age, right, they've always been so reliant on statistics, right? You know, yards per carry, yards per incompletion. Like they live in a world of numbers that I would think that if, for coaches or players, if you can show them numbers, statistics that will enhance the end game for them, that it seems like a very simple connection point. I'm sure it's not, but to me, it seems like it's a very obvious connective tissue to stuff that they've already sort of accustomed to looking at in some way, shape or form. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that is a great uh, assessment of kind of how it works. I think where, you know, we, you, you sometimes run into problems is that when maybe the data that you pull, it might be contradictory to kind of what the coach thinks. Um, and then you get into the conversations of like, ah, I've done this without this for a long time. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the communication that we try to use with the coaches isn't that, you know, us telling them what to do. It's not us saying you need to do this because the numbers suggest this. It's, providing them with some information, you know, talking to them about what, what is the plan? What are you trying to accomplish with this? And then giving them feedback on the probability of, you know, this being impactful or not impactful on the group because of the information we have. And so really, really trying to give them as much information as we can for them to make the most informed decision, as opposed to us just telling them what to do. And I think that is a really important thing to, um, you know, to explain is, you know, that, Yes, oftentimes it, it matches with the coach's eye, but when it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, it's the wrong decision or that it was the, you know, there was some sort of problem. It just means that, you know, this didn't necessarily agree, but, you know, it, I think that it allows us to have better conversations and, and many times it allows us to tease out that hidden information that, you know, you just can't see with your own eyes. I'd also imagine for the players, like you said earlier with you, right? Soccer player, maybe not focused completely all in on being the best that I could be or the, you know, some of the things that were available to you back then, right? So I would imagine too, I would guess at least, let's say Corey Flagg or anyone else, right? If you could show them like, hey, look, if you can work on these things that maybe aren't related to how much they can bench or squat or whatever, but you, I think you talked about sleep or therapy, 
recover, whatever it is, right, that you could show them scientifically and numerically, like, this will help you. That might help change behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's our ultimate goal is let's provide them with everything that they need and really kind of get rid of the things that they don't need. Uh, at the end of the day, we want them to, to be healthy and we want them to be high-performing athletes. But most importantly, they're student athletes and we want to educate them and, and allow them to take some of this information away when they move on from here, whether they, you know, they go on to the NFL and have a long career or they go on and, and become, you know, parents. We want to give them information that they can use. And so, yeah, for sure, you know, things like benching and squatting, they're, they're important. But for Corey, as an example, you know, we've been spending a lot of time on hip mobility and working on the, the quality of his soft tissue of the hip, which will allow him to open up more which will then reduce his reaction time so he can get into position and, and make the tackle. So, you know, we haven't really been talking about a lot of like performance things as it relates to like weightlifting, but we've been talking a lot about maintaining his body so he can get into better position. But so how do you determine that with it? Like his loose, loosening his hips up, like how does that, how does that get onto your plate to get onto his plate to then I'm sure speak with someone on the medical or training side to like, here's the remedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I think two, two things, obviously the athlete has to kind of come to us and let us know that something's bugging them. Um, but with, with some of the data that we have, we can see changes in strategy. And when I say strategy, you know, we think, we think of things like how, how do they look when they run? How do they look when they jump? Some guys have really long, quick or long explosive strides. Some guys have really short, you know, rapid strides. That strategy kind of tells us what we're dealing with from an anatomical perspective. And when you see changes in those strategies, you know, visually or subjectively, along with data, you can start to kind of question, is there something actually wrong with this guy? Or is there something bothering him? And, you know, so when you, when you do that, and then you talk to Corey, for example, and I have a great relationship with Corey, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but, um, you know, hey, bud, what's going on? Like, you're, some of this stuff's changing. Uh, yeah, my head. Okay, well, let's take a look. And, you know, either they're going in, they're getting treatment on that from a, uh, like an acute standpoint, but from a chronic uh, standpoint, I've done a lot with soft tissue. That was kind of some of the skill sets that I had and probably where Corey thinks I'm a little bit of a wizard because we do some of this neural reset stuff and hip mobility. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll do that in the morning with guys. I'll run an activation group, go through hip mobility, go through hip preparation, um, try to stimulate the nervous system. And so that would be kind of the steps that we would use is look, let's look at the data talk to the athlete, get the feedback from them, and then really kind of put the, the package together on what we need to give them. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in 10 Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit gulfstreampark.com. How often does someone come back to you and be like, damn, Eric, that was beautiful. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like the suggestion is made, the investment is taken, the performance increases, or they just feel better on their own and come back and say, that was great. Thank you. You know, like it kind of hits them in the face that this is huge. This is a game changer. You know, we have a lot of guys. We have, I think, over 115 dudes right now, something like that. Um, but I, I have probably, you know, 15 to 20 guys that I have got a really close relationship with from, from that perspective where they come in and they see me and we do things and, you know, like Dylan or Andy will come grab me before, you know, their kick period and I'll do some stuff with them. So, 
you know, it's not always early in the morning, but it could be during practice. And um, I think a lot of it started last year. We started to do that to try to kind of get me integrated with the group and um, create some relationship with the guys instead of just being the data guy. So coach felt that it was a, you know, it would have been a good idea for me to show kind of some of the skill sets that I had with uh, manual therapy. So I think it's done a great job. Cam uh, Kitchens comes in every day. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why he's such a good player is that he, he does all the things you need to do to be a professional and, and the way he carries himself. What does he want to know? What's he asking? What's he looking for? Yeah. Cam, Cam's one of those guys that comes in. He's, you know, in the morning he comes in, he does all the work that we do for activation, work on the hips, um, check his shoulders, make sure that he's prepped for the session that we're going to have that day, um, get activated. But one of the most important things that he does is he asks every day about the data that he creates for us. So the Tiger Tech data, the Catapult data, any sort of force play data. And we really go over the details of how he's performing we try to answer questions that he has on you know, why did it look like this when I cut here and, or, or how did it feel um, for you when you did this? And he answers those questions for us. So we can put more context behind the data. We're really, really proud at how he carries himself, how he handles the stress uh, being an American, being a, a team leader and, and really kind of being one of those guys that we're counting on this year to help take our team in the direction that we, that we think we can go. And, you know, most importantly, he's trying to educate himself on being a professional and it's really impressive. So I, I feel fortunate to work with Cam Kitchens every day. When you say cut, are we talking about like, you, is that a conversation or can you, in those sessions, can you also watch practice film and whatnot? Can he say, hey, look, something on this play felt weird or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And especially with some of the Tiger Tech data, you know, we'll look at that with him and, and we'll correlate that to, you know, a big play that he made or might have felt a tweak you know and one of the things with all the data collection that we do is we tag it everything that we're doing we're tagging that that data live so that we can go back in very quickly and then say all right this is what happened at this point and then we can overlay the video or we can pull that data and, and really try to give as much information as we can out of that instance good thing they hired some help for you dude holy moly <laughs> oh i know i didn't have a gray beard before i got here <laughs> I don't even do half of what you do. So it sounds like after practice, like coaches go up and watch film. Eric goes and watches film or assesses data. They're doing their thing. You're doing your thing. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's rewarding. You know, we get to help athletes. We get to do what we love. You know, I wear sweats or shorts every day to work. It's not the, I could have worse scenarios that I'm in, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I kind of look at myself as a conduit, you know, I'm the conduit between the coaches, between the other tra trainers, nutrition, strength and conditioning, and, and the athletes. And what I'm trying to do is, you know, like I said, answer questions and provide feedback and, and give data to support everything that we're doing. And, you know, I, I really feel grateful to coach Feld and coach Cristobal for bringing me here and giving me the opportunity to kind of, to be that cog in the wheel, so to speak. And, um, you know, the opportunity I get with coach Cristobal either in his office officially or when he's in the uh, weight room working out is just to have those conversations with him and the trust that he's put in me to give him feedback to help him with better decision making I, you know i'm very grateful for that so i believe I, if i have this right and if i don't obviously correct me i think you know when you were talking about previous stops and might have been in st louis you know obviously it's sort of like there's an organizational goal right vision for the whole team let's say on at least what's happening on the ice right and then how does everyone fit into that and i think you had mentioned there i think it was that like all right for me at least or part of me of what i do is all right how do we outperform our, how do we outperform and then how do we stay healthy, right? Like kind of those two things kind of married together. And then how do your decisions affect that? So 
Is there a similar sort of end goal, like a, a macro end goal relative to what Mario wants from you and, and Hurricanes football? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, your best players have to be available, you know, to, to win games. And I think that's a great point for us, that's a great, that's a great point. You have to, you know, your best guys have to be your best guys and they have to be healthy and available. And I think for, for me and coach Chris Ball and coach Feld and everyone else uh, at the U, you know, our goal is to keep our athletes as healthy as possible and to bridge the gap between health and performance. And if we can keep these guys healthy and keep them fresh and, and ready, we can find those little areas that can enhance performance. And that, that might be mental performance. It might be nutrition. It might be sleep. It might be getting stronger, uh, you know, and, and that elicits a better performance on the field. So really trying to, you know, find ways to bridge that gap between the health of our athletes and the performance. But I think most importantly with what we're trying to do now, you know, as an example, with the heat is let's not burn our guys out. Let's get high quality training. Let's move fast. Let's move quickly but let's not add undue stress and burn the guys out just to be outside. And I think that's one of those things that's, you know, we have knocked on wood. We have a, a you know, a, a healthy group right now. Um, guys look better to me. They're moving faster. It's, it's much more crisp. And I think it's really kind of, you know, what we needed as a team this year going into the first game is, is let's be as fresh as possible and, and be as healthy as we can. It's funny that I think the whole sports, the general mindset of how, a coach's or organization's approach to sports, right? Like you're fresh, healthy, fresh, perform high. And there was probably a, a point back in the day when it was like grind them to the bone and they will be ready to play like this. Done a complete 180. I Not mean, to compromise, you know, gain, but just what is the best way to get there? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's, in my opinion, you know, like working in football, working in hockey, but these are both, you know, very tough. You know, when you look at it, like you can't sacrifice the toughness piece for, you know, other things. You have to kind of create a balance for those things. And, you know, the term I use and I and I've kind of used this with Coach Cristobal is the juice worth the squeeze. Like, is it worth the breakdown we're going to put on guys to go outside? Can we modify the times? Can we do things differently without breaking them down, but still get that toughness aspect of what our team needs? So, you know, let, let's figure out where we can do it and the opportunities to do it. And, but we're not sacrificing one thing for another. We're trying to be balanced in how we do it. And, you know, let, let's get as much juice out of that squeeze as we can. What is your philosophy and what is your philosophy relative to Coach Cristobal? Like once we get into the season, right, given week and how you how you scale up an athlete to get ready for kickoff on Saturday, meaning like getting the, getting their body to the maximum you know, peak condition of how they feel so they can perform their best on Saturday? Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, we last year being my first year working in football and being working with all the, the people that I work with at the U, I did a lot of collecting of data, a lot of observing, a lot of asking my own questions to really kind of understand that the best I could, the, the philosophy of the program and how things were done. And, you know, with that, we had a lot of data from last year and we were able to look at that comprehensively at the end of the season and, and really tie that into not only uh, week to week as our results pertain to the data, but day to day and how that compounding effect impacted our athletes uh, negatively. And so, you know, with the philosophy that we have now, we're really trying to find, you know, not taking away load from our athletes when you know when we talk about load management a lot of times it's like oh let's sit this guy out let's you know let's rest him you know we look at load management more so 
um, as a way to balance out throughout the week. So we're not pulling guys out and, and just not doing anything. We're actually finding the days where we can give them more load and give them a lot more stimulus and create more intensity for them. And the days where we can reduce that load and do lower volume work and do things that might be more restorative to result in a, a ramp up for the next day. So, you know, we've done a couple of things organizationally that we're, where we're changing our schedule this year and modifying a couple of our restoration days with work days. And, you know, the load overall will be identical to last year, but when we get that load, it's going to really elicit a better outcome in my opinion. All right. Last two things. One, did you watch the show on ESPN sports science, John Brankus? Yes, I did. Well, and and I, I sort of say that, and, but he was a, how he was a he, way ahead of it all, right? Absolutely. But I would imagine if you could take like I'll just athlete, I'll name any athlete. You take Ruben Bain. We'll just make it up, and you could somehow like do a little sports science on him that was reflective of like, here's why this has worked, and you could show it to him like in a TV show. I imagine it would be mind blowing, and then maybe you're doing it. it maybe you're doing that in some very you know. Uh, elementary way with, with the resources you have, right? But if you could, if they could see that the way that show showed it, I would imagine they would be like, oh, you don't have to show me anything else. Yeah, it would be unbelievable. I mean, the, the whole, like, you know, I, I don't have a screen. Like, I, I need a screen where I can just throw it up there and, and move my hands around. And uh, But, yeah, I, I love that show. It, it was one of the things that, that really kind of sparked my interest in being in sports science. And, you know, it's – I, I love technology. I, I really enjoy utilizing it. Um, but most importantly, I really enjoy the ability to have conversations with the athletes and try to give them things um, like you mentioned that I probably didn't uh, embrace as well as I should have when I was an athlete. And so, um, you know, I can empathize with the things that they're going through and it, it helps me to have those conversations when I have some data to really kind of back it up and show how you're progressing. And yeah, I mean, it, it would be awesome if I could put that on a big screen, though. Yeah, we'll have to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to create something, maybe a little UM-centric based content piece that can, uh, we can we can showcase all the great stuff that's happening. Uh, last thing, Eric, which is this. I'll just use, throw out the word individualization, right? So everything that you're doing now, the fact that it's not it's not the offensive line, right? Or it's not the DBs or the offense, right? Like that you can literally profile each and every athlete individually and they have their own sort of recipe data points, biography, et cetera, so that you can get so granular with each individual person and have prescriptions for them. That's got to be such a difference maker instead of just sort of being mass hurting. Yeah, I think it's one of the, the most important things we do is we profile these guys. Uh, and, you know, at any point in the season, we can give them something to help them without taking away from the ultimate goal of, of being a winning team. And, you know, I look at that and I say, okay, if I can do something, whether that's like we talked about earlier with the sleep, or if we can give them um, more vitamin D because they're low in vitamin D and that's going to enhance their ability to recover. We can do that without impacting them negatively and tiring them out and still have them be successful. And, and if we can do that objectively, you know, it, it's, it makes our job so much easier and you know, athlete profiling, it's its one of the most important things we do. All right. How many hours of sleep should I be getting? Oh, dude. I mean, you got to be getting the seven to eight, right? That's what I, yeah. I'm a seven to eight guy. Yeah. You look great. I mean, I could. Ah! <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't, I'm not sure I want, I'm not sure I'd actually want to be getting your crosshairs. I'm afraid what the report might read. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Eric Renahan, director of sports science. Like I said, I probably could do like three hours with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to spare you. Plus you got bad weather. I don't want to risk the uh, internet going out again. Thank you so much for doing this. And I look forward to chatting again. Of course, I always look forward to seeing you down on campus and, and during the year. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to seeing you. Absolutely.